Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Buntwine, erstwhile monk turned traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Buntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. Two fingers, four fingers, or chunky? What's your uh, Kit Kat choice, Jesse Gomez? It would have to be four fingers always. The more, the better, I say. Okay. Um, just milk chocolate? Are we about? Oh, uh, I prefer dark chocolate, to be fair. You prefer the dark, the four-finger dark chocolate Kit Kat? That is, uh, <laughs> it's not the common uh, the common selection, I say. Do you have uh, any preference here, Matt? It's two episodes in a row where I just chat about having gotten back from Japan, but I have brought everybody some green tea Kit Kats that I haven't brought into the office oh, yet. Oh, they're so good ones as well. They are very good. Yep. Yep. Um, is that your is that your pick then? Your of, yeah, the pick? green. I mean, if you can get them, this is just a bit of advice for if anybody goes mm-hmm. over to Japan, but they're worth their weight in gold. Like you'll you'll make friends by buying as many <laughs> green tea Kit Kats as you can. Absolutely. My see, I'm firmly in the chunky camp, mm. uh, and. <laughs> The, uh, <laughs> uh, it's not even that funny. It's not no, laughing no, at me. No, I can see your face. Fun, You're making me laugh. You, um, especially the when they bring out, they did like a special Lotus Biscoff one. That was incredible. Oh, yeah. The peanut good. butter one's good though as well. I don't yeah, think they've like done a dark butter. chocolate one though, which is a shame. Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, we've got a lot of different games things to talk about this week, so that's enough Kit Kat chat for now. It'll probably arise again. Who knows if I, if I decide to bring it up? A uh, bit of a bits and bobs episode this week. We're going to talk about lots of little things we've been watching and playing. Um, but first up, I suppose we've got to talk a bit about this whole Xbox business thing because that's all anyone's wanted to talk about for about two weeks despite having zero information on any of it which is funny isn't it isn't it funny how rumors swirl out of control (laughs) jesse to the point where people actively look like they're gonna burn every piece of game console memorabilia they have Uh, i'm i'm all for it because it's it's sort of just a nice reminder and a good separation that like i know i'm normal like, I, I can be a bit terminally online I don't think you can know you're normal. I think other people can say that you're normal. I don't think you can know. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to think I am, but it's just, you just see so much nonsense online. And I sound like an old man saying this, but I'm just like, I would say like go outside and touch some grass, but even I'm not bothered to do that. Just like sit on your sofa and watch a nice film or just play a game. Just play a game and have fun. Just don't worry about things that don't matter. Yeah, um, that's basically. the main thing. I think it was really uh, important. Broaden your horizons, please. Just enjoy mm. things. The stakes that people were talking about, like the absolute height of everything that could have been possibly bad <laughs> mm. about this, was like 
maybe some things were going to come to a different machine. And I, yeah. I don't own a PlayStation. I'll get that out of the way. Yeah. So I like I own an Xbox, and if anything was going to be multi-platform, I'll just play it on the box that I have. Like, what? Yeah, yeah. What's the? Where's the downside? And it turns out it was actually only going to be four games. So. Exactly. I mean, four games for now, right? That they haven't officially revealed, but everyone's kind of pieced together that it's most likely Pentiment Hi-Fi Rush. Sea of Thieves and maybe grounded, like they kind of mm. on that Xbox podcast. Phil Spencer led to like some some breadcrumbs for some reason. Well, I know why they didn't announce it. It's probably because they write like other publishers, other um, like Nintendo or PlayStation have are going to announce that at some point. So yeah, you know, marketing beats to follow, etc. But the way they were teasing them was very funny. It was like, and I get why like these games would come to other consoles. Like a game like Pentiment or Hi-Fi Rush, if those are the games, like. They've been out over a year. They're well-liked games, games we give gave a 9 and a 10 to an IGN, respectively. And mm. just, they've probably had their life cycle on Xbox, right? The people that have paid for those games or played them on Game Pass, because they're both on Game Pass, have enjoyed them. So why not put them on Switch and PlayStation, where you yeah. can A, make more money from people buying them, and B, more people can enjoy them. I it just might even seems say a win-win, right? Pentiment might even be a better game on Switch, too, because I want to lie yeah. down and treat it like um, it's a little book. Like, why? Yeah. It yeah, might actually exactly. be a better experience for the, the way of playing it. I, I think this is all sort of leading to, because I saw that the... Um, the current PlayStation boss said that, you know, first party's PC games are also going to be like an aggressive growth plan for mm. PlayStation. And I feel like all this sort of news where people are worrying that all these exclusives are, you know, coming to PC or coming to other consoles first, it's it's all sort of leading towards, in my mind, that sort of thing where, you know, like people even just a couple years ago or even 10 years ago, just like, just, go, just get a PC, just do it and be done. Cause then, you know, you're going to be able to experience all the games there. And it's like, not to be a prick, but it's sort of happening. You know, like it doesn't really matter what plastic box you have, as long as you can play the game and cross play as well is another amazing thing where like- It's all getting there and it's all gradually yeah. been getting there anyway. Like just like for some reason it's all blown up recently. Like you've got Helldivers, that was PC and PlayStation day mm. one. Um, yeah, that's fantastic. PlayStation get, have been putting their games, whether it's God of War or um, I can't remember, like Uncharted games, Horizon that have been trickling to PC after what a couple of years once they've yeah. got they've pretty much got all the PlayStation sales they're likely to get out of those and to be honest, even Xbox have kind of historically done it it's never a deal was made back because they were smaller games like Cuphead and the Ori games were on were Xbox exclusives for like years at a time and then mm. came out on other things like it's not the end of the world it's not like like and Phil Spencer explicitly said Starfield Indiana Jones this is not happening I mean, it's not happening day one. <laughs> Who knows five years down the line yeah. if they're going to come to other things. But like, it also it's, it's just not it's not that best big of case scenario. It helps the development cost of first party titles, like long tail stuff that you like have probably already had their life. They come to another platform, they sell more copies. That in like mm -hmm. makes the ecosystem better. That funds first party development. So the exclusive stuff that you want that is going to stay there will have more money to play with. Like, like, it actually it, makes it better. It really is kind of win-win, I think. Especially it's like, 
if you hold a game like Hi-Fi Rush is not necessarily it's not going to set the world alight when it lands on PlayStation and or Switch yeah. if it comes out like it'll, it'll sell some copies but it's not going to be like millions and millions I and maybe disagree with that if only because really? it was kind of it was a very good pitch for Game Pass like Hi-Fi mm. Rush was something that I maybe would have picked up but it was a oh I've already got Game Pass this will extend the amount of time yeah. that I'm doing I, mean, I think it'll sell copies but it's not going to be like Spider-Man levels is what oh, I'm saying it's not yeah. like it won't move like a console but I, no. but I mean it was an incentive to have Game Pass which will be yeah. staying on Xbox. Like that's the only argument I would mm-hmm. make. But like they've also it means they can drop the like they've got these games they're holding, right? And when there's like a lull during the year, like I don't know a month, I don't know, I can't think of a month this year where there's nothing coming out. For example, yeah. say it was June, they can just go, All right, there's nothing coming out on Xbox, nothing coming out on PlayStation. Let's drop Hi Fi Rush on PlayStation. We might get mm. quite a few sales there. Like to me, it's quite smart from Xbox. It's nothing to really have a meltdown about, despite a lot of people having a meltdown about, and now retracting their meltdowns and finding new meltdowns to have meltdowns about. So. That's, that's <laughs> the thing. I, I do think it's sort of like a lot of the big response you see online, at least in my eyes, is that, you know, it's, it is that sort of very, very vocal minority. Because I feel like there must be the majority of it's people... It's like, driven not- by people looking for engagement. Either yeah. retweets on their blue tick Twitter accounts to get a few <laughs> pennies in their pockets, or YouTubers looking to get ads. Like, and, and, that and is that's, yeah, what it's like, all there that, That's what I like to imagine. Like, 90% of people who own these consoles, like, just like, oh, the new PlayStation is out, the new Xbox is out, I'll buy it. I'm going to get FIFA, COD, whatever game yeah. I want, and they just don't care about being online and they just play shit. Exactly. That's who I like to think exists. You talk to anyone, you talk to, I don't know, you're in a pub, talk to a random person who's just like, oh, I like games. They won't have a clue what's Check been going Pentium. on about this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get Check Pentium out played. the hit multi-platform game. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Anyway, just thought we'd touch on that because big, it's been big news, right? And yeah, it's got to be you know, talked about. So yeah. Also, they did confirm new hardware would be coming. That was a rumor that Xbox were just gonna, I don't know, chuck all hardware into the furnace and no one could ever use it again. Um, yeah. But they confirmed new hardware coming. I think Phil Spencer even said it's the biggest leap the next generation will be ever between consoles, which seems a bit of a stretch. Um, considering, I don't even think games are really pushing the limits of the consoles we have now, so I don't know yeah. where, the, where that's coming from. Um, <sighs> and can it be the, a bigger jump from 2D to 3D? I'm not sure, but You're going to be we'll able see. to smell we'll games. Yeah, VR can... is back, no. <laughs> uh, who knows? But anyway, let's talk about some actual games. We've been playing Persona 3 Reload. Matt Jones, you've been playing it. Uh, I was, I'm, I'm holding off on it just because I only did play Persona Three this time last year, and I don't need to replay mm. it again. But um, was that how, your how are you first time playing Persona Three? It was my first time playing Persona Three. So this uh, is also my first it. time playing Persona Three as well. Yeah. which I think it's weird going back um, mm-hmm. after having played Four and Five because yeah. it seems like playing it is just an experience of all of the complaints that people probably would have had. It's a stripped back version of four and five, right? Mm. It's kind of it doesn't have all of the bits that make it extra. Like it's a much more, despite being still like sixty to seventy hours, probably long. It is stripped back. There is a lot, like you know, if you don't know the rough gameplay loop of Persona games, it's you know fighting demons at night and during the day, hanging out with friends basically to build relationship bonds to boost up uh, your party's attack powers essentially. Mm. And it just feels like during the day during Persona 3, from what I remember, you only really got like two options. There's not really a lot you can do. Whereas like in 4 and 5, you're kind of like inundated. You were overwhelmed you in 4 and yeah. 5 of stuff but, that's a possibility. Be, yeah. 3 Reload in that case is probably a good entry point for people, despite I think 5 being the best and 4 being the second best. Like third yeah. is 3 is the third best. But 
yeah, maybe you can explain like are you enjoying it? I am. Is what I'm yeah. trying to ask. Basically, I, I think that the like the main loop right now of going into a dungeon and then like messing around and you know just attacking things and like Persona's um, core gameplay thing of trying to figure out what type an enemy is weak against. Yeah. Um, but that will use up all of your mana, so mm-hmm. you don't want to. You want to use that sparingly. You basically, want to guess correctly as often as possible, um, because after you run out of mana, there's really only a few ways of getting it back, and then you'd have to mm-hmm. leave. And you only really want to go into the dungeon a couple of times because the yeah. clock is constantly going forward. So you've got this like push and pull of I don't want to fight too often because if I do, then I have to leave. And then yeah. if I leave, I've like I won't be able to go on a, a date with somebody from the student and council. And that's the most important thing. <laughs> right, totally. <laughs> I just don't have enough time to do all the stuff that I want to do. And that mm. feeling's good. It really has that. But I feel like you're... Because I, I think four is my favourite. I like that a lot more than five. Because it feels mm-hmm. like you're just in this tight-knit group of friends. And yeah. Persona 3 doesn't really have that. I've heard them described as like co-workers before. And it kind of yeah, does feel like that. There's- you don't ever quite feel like yeah you don't ever i i like the cast of three but four and five are definitely much stronger cast mm. like you don't ever feel like you said like there was never one person in three i was like oh you're my bet like you're it's me and you till the end sort yeah, of thing absolutely. Like, we're all like we're getting the job done <laughs> like sort of thing yeah well, like, i think Junpei's cool right like mm-hmm. i think he's funny but yeah no one else is really like doing it for me but i think it's that like in four the social links are the people that are in your party so you're inevitably having to spend more time with them and learning who they are whereas the social links in this one at least so far you do have a couple like scenes with mm. them but it's mostly just people that are in the town and yeah. some of them are pretty cool but it doesn't feel like it's helping me feel more engaged like with the people that i'm hanging out with no um, it still has it's definitely in my eyes not as good as four and five but it's still i think very fun very good it has that still that core persona loop that just keeps me coming back and i'll i'll I will probably play Reload again, and the story is good, and it's just like the the dark. It, this is definitely darker than four and five, I think, uh, tonally wise. Especially the way you just go into the uh, other multiverse in this game is just by shooting yourself in the head. Yeah, it's totally. um, <laughs> fucking yeah. sick. But, yeah, is that how you summon your persona? Being, I can't remember. It's all about people in the town just yeah. being so miserable that they collapse as well, which is just like same. Yeah, yeah, I, I it's good, of- and it. It has like a, uh, as all these games do, just like a batshit crazy ending. <laughs> so I'm mm. sure you'll enjoy that. Yeah. Like for someone like me who is historically not an anime person, it, I do for some reason really connect with these games because mm. they do go full batshit anime towards the end of them. That I'm all in. It's um, um yeah. I think a year of at least so far, um, pretty good, but like a little bit disappointing um, game, RPGs. So like, uh, oh, yeah, you're yeah. not enjoying Infinite Wealth like you Infinite thought. Infinite Wealth would. is not quite as good as Like a Dragon, wow, if only because I don't think fan. it. Like, I think the combat system's great. Like I feel yeah. like the, the knockback in this and like moving your character around so that you can position every, everybody. It's like mm-hmm. is really cool. Um, I way prefer playing it, but I just don't think it all ties together quite as well. Mm. The st- I think that's the yeah. I enjoy. Like, I think I'm similar with you. I enjoyed playing Infinite Wealth. Um, much more than I enjoyed playing Like a Dragon, but yeah, mm. the story. I think it's because it's Branch, obviously, it has kind of two protagonists this time around with Kiryu coming back. Like, it kind of does suffer from that a little bit. You're split between them a little bit. And yeah, it, kind of, it just feels kind of yeah. messy. It's like, what's yeah. it actually about? I still really loved it, but yeah, mm. I know it, like, it wasn't as focused. Mm. Um, 
I do think though, um, I'm sure you'll finish it. Like towards the end, there's some fantastic stuff. Yeah, so, I'm um, well up for it. I'm in like yeah. chapter 11 now. So, okay, cool. Yeah, I've got oh, the nice. ending ahead of me. I've done all of Dondoko Island. I've I done, did like, that every... all in one go, like oh one six God. hour stretch. I just did it. Uh, <laughs> uh, well, you like very... unlock people. It's, the same thing happened to me during the uh, the business management game in the last one. Like you keep mm-hmm. unlocking new employees that you could have in that. And I'd like, I'd done it all in one sitting. And then I was like, I oh, can have this person work for you. And it's like, well, what's the point? I've mm-hmm. already finished it. Same thing I imagine must happen for Dondoko if you'd like do it all at once it'd be like oh you can have um Brad Pitt come to your island yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's very it's very funny I, I kind of want to know just because the first Persona game I played was Persona 5 and that was really my first proper I don't know delving into a turn-based RPG that's you know a quadrillion hours long mm-hmm. but what I see um Atlas doing is that it just seems like Persona 3 Reloaded seems to draw like really heavily on just stylistically and maybe mechanically Persona 5. Like, because like, obviously you haven't uh, played Reload, Cardi, but you, Jones, you've obviously played it, but not played the original. Is it? They've borrowed 5 a bit, I think. But I think, mm. as far as I know, the gameplay still like 3 was. Yeah, it's pretty okay, much exactly right. the same. I remember like in the original 3, which I hadn't played, but you can't control the rest of the party members. Like, okay. you can only control your character which is different in this one, and I think the portable as well. Um, so it is different from how it was originally released. Um, the menu design is gorgeous, though. Yeah. Some people saying that, like, it's a little bit too bright, like the game is kind of dark tonally, so it should be darker. Yeah. But yeah. I, I don't mind because it just looks really good. I will occasionally That's just, fair. like, flick through the menus and just, like, mm. watch everything kind of snap in in the same way that I did with Five. Sona mm. 3 Reload is like sold really well as well. Like mm. it's already a million. Like it means they Damn. probably will do four next. I could imagine totally it'd be good too. Like I think that four is great, but there's a lot of stuff that you could do to make it just utterly like. like utterly I've already beautiful. played through that game twice. And <laughs> it's still like I played it when they re-released it on PlayStation Switch. Was that last year or the year before? Mm-hmm. That was early last year, wasn't it? And still, it looks fine. It doesn't look mm-hmm. dated. But yeah. like, it, if it looked like Persona Five, then yeah, it would be um, amazing. But I'd like because I'd prefer if they went back to one or two. I don't know too much about one or two, but I'd love mm. to play it. They're all about like it's a first person, but like grid based thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know if they'd be able to restyle it in the modern Persona combat, Wh- or if that's just make six. Which one lets you fight <laughs> Hitler, or is that Shin that's Megami? Two. Yeah, oh, okay. I'm pretty sure that's two. <laughs> yeah, get that one going. Then. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, Good start to the year for JRPGs yeah. anyway, isn't it? We've, We've got, got Final Fantasy coming out soon. Yeah. There's um, yeah. Unicorn Overlord on the way as well, which I cannot wait I've for. I've got half an eye on that. I'm, mm. not, I'm not fully in yet, but I will. Mm. Like, Previews came out for it yesterday, and it looks mm-hmm. absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Good time for RPGs. Um, something old, though, that's also been remastered, Jesse, that you're actually experiencing for the first time, I think, is the yeah. original three Tomb Raider games. Mm-hmm. Um You've, you've been delving into Tomb Raider a lot the last couple of weeks because there's this new RTX remix version of it and there's the remastered, the official remastered one coming out. And yeah. what one, I mean, what, what what's your takeaway? Like, is Tomb Raider, is Tomb Raider, Tomb Raider <laughs> aged well? Mm, I, I'm, on the, I'm on the verge of saying no. And that's the thing. The, the weird thing about this sort of job is that if you've not played you know, any of these games before, because I mentioned RTX Remix, you know, in the last podcast, and that was my first time playing Tomb Raider properly. And you sort of get introduced to like what the expectations are of the fan base and just how much they obviously love those games. And playing for it, I just, I don't 
I just don't think it's aged particularly well. It, it won't have. It will control badly. I can tell you that now. Yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it is a 3D platformer I remember from trying the when I was like 12 in what, like 2004, that it had aged badly. Mm. <laughs> like it, yeah. it didn't feel good to play then. Are so. you, you're playing it on PC, presumably. Yeah, yeah. I'm playing it on PC, but I'm using a, um, a Xbox One controller. There's a, there's a really famous video from, I think it's from Fitz Thistlewitz, where uh, they talk about uh, how originally you had to control it with control and alt, so you were constantly always at threat of pressing the Windows key. Right. Like, <laughs> imagine doing that now. I mean, that sounds awful, but yeah, I've, I've played, I think I've played maybe two or three hours of Tomb Raider 1. Um, I'm so, I, I, do, I would like to finish the trilogy to give it a proper go, just because... I've, I don't I've, think you need to if you don't want to. Well, you no, really like, I'm, I'm still I've never tr- finished all three of them. I'm, I'm still trying to find out whether or not I am enjoying these games. And when I was streaming it, I was having a good time. I was making use of the modern controls, which I would say is a mistake if you're delving into the <laughs> remaster, which is a shame because Tomb Raider, like, you know, Resident Evil before it had sort of, you know, it uses tank controls, right? And Tomb Raider is very much a grid-based game where... It's very sort of precise jumps, almost rhythm game-like when you're actually doing those platforming sections and stuff. But the modern controls sort of, as you would expect, changes it so that you can just use the analog stick and, you know, Lara can just move in any sort of direction. But that it's at, it's at extreme odds with how the game was inherently designed. It just doesn't work because then you have this sort of expectation in your head of... Well, now I can sort of play it like Uncharted or I can play it like a, a more recent Tomb Raider game or even the Tomb Raider Anniversary Edition that came out like on the PlayStation 2 a few years afterwards. But it's just, it's a very precise and clunky platformer and adding modern controls that don't quite work and then the camera's getting caught in the environment. It's its not fantastic. It doesn't sound ideal, no. I mean, there's only two things you need to do in Tomb Raider, in my opinion, is A, get the butler in the freezer. That's the yep, one thing I've done that thing. already. And to meet the T-Rex. Which I've done. And okay, that, that well, you've, you've played Tomb Raider now, so <laughs> yeah. that's all you need to do. Is really, that's all everyone remembers. Uh, if you can remember anything else about those first couple of games, I, I challenge I think, you. I think they're lying if they, oh, you remember that bit? <laughs> no. Yeah. Um... Like, I'm not going to go back and play this. I, I tried playing them when I was young, and I was like, yeah, these have dated. And, like, it's fine to have them remastered, and people love them revisit. But, like, yeah. I don't... You know, we've got a lot better versions of these games since, whether they are Tomb Raider games like the Crystal Dynamics ones, which were yeah. amazing, or Uncharted, which is super. Like, 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 I, you know. I had a fun time where, you know, I sort of associate an older game almost being easier just because it's primitive's the wrong word but you know it is an early version of what we've all sort of it was the first game of its kind really yeah yeah exactly and and there is there is enjoyment to be found when you know you've sort of cleared an area you've solved a puzzle and it's like okay how can i actually leave this area where do i need to platform to what sort of enemies do i need to dispatch next and stuff and once you actually get into the flow of how lara is meant to control using those tank controls it is it is fun i'm just still trying to I'm still trying to find how I can appreciate those old games. I think yeah, it's really you appreciate telling. what they inspired, right? Yeah, yeah. I think yeah. it's really telling that none of the games that are inspired by it control like it, though. Like, <laughs> I mean, yeah, like they just yeah, they exactly. wouldn't be able to, right? No, 
Um, one game that does control very nicely indeed, though, is Helldivers 2. We spoke about this last week. It's me, Jesse, and Matt have been playing it for a bit. Um, but Jesse, you've been non You've been delving, diving even, deeper into hell. <laughs> it was you this that week. freed one of the sectors as well, single-handedly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I've, just uh, a, a su- war machine. Super after democracy, um, all that sort of stuff. Sadly, I've been busy playing other things and doing other things this week, so I just haven't been able to play much Hell Divers, mm. which is a shame because I did want to play more. But Jesse, like I said, you've put, put hours into this and you're still still having a blast, I presume. Yeah, I mean, I just it's it's exciting to have another co-op game that feels like it can be a very good co-op game. Baldur's Gate 3 was exactly that. And now we have this, which is a completely different kind of game. But mm-hmm. the, I just this is the first time I've sort of delved into a community regarding a game and actually had a really, really positive experience where I think we mentioned this last time, but when you're playing Helldivers, you're presented with this sort of like galactic map and you have two fronts at the moment and they're constantly changing and, you know, evolving as more players maybe fight on one particular planet to get rid of the bugs and other players, you know, are falling back to like the robot planets and dealing with them. Um, and there's this clear distinction between this all, <laughs> this almost star, um, Starship Troopers like enjoyment and satire when you're dealing with the bugs compared to like what is like robo Vietnam and hell when you're dealing There's with a lot of TikToks <laughs> that are about this yeah. contrast. Yeah. And, and it's really, it's really, really fun because that clear divide between the community where they, they still like, you know, intersect and work together. But I, I've, it's weird because you're almost getting two different experiences. Like me and all my mates, we've been playing solely on the robot planets because we want to try and contribute to like that war effort and having fun <laughs> dealing with that. Whilst mm-hmm. all the other people like having, you know, a lovely time just raining down artillery fire having on a all those life. disgusting bugs. <laughs> yeah. What happens when like, a, full, a planet is fully like uh, freed then? Does anything like special happen in game? So I think only, I think only two planets from what I can remember, or maybe three planets have actually been secured so far for super earth and, you know, democratic <laughs> reasons. But um, one of the main challenges, at least when you started the game with... Um, the bug planets. I can't remember what that sector was called, but when you captured those two planets, you got like a lot of different bits of currency and some other slight oh, okay. upgrades and stuff like that. So there is an incentive and you always have a percentage tracker depending on what planet you're looking at. So when I was just looking at the Discord or Twitter or even Reddit, people like, okay, what planet do we need to focus on? Like what was at 10% has now fallen down to 5%. We need to catch up. And it's mm-hmm. it's weird because it's the first time I've messed around with a live service game that felt very positive in a way yeah. that I haven't really seen. I mean, yeah, know. apart from, I've seen they've had a few like technical issues with matchmaking yeah. and stuff, but apart from that, like it seems to be everyone like pleasantly surprised by this game. And maybe it's partly because there's no real, I don't know, there was no hype cycle built up. It just kind of mm. came out and everyone's like, oh, this is really fun. Let's yeah. enjoy it <laughs> rather than I saw, spend uh, time theorizing why it might not be good. I saw yeah, a deal exactly. for a, a PS5 Slim that's only roughly about 400 quid, and I'm like, should I get it so I can play some Helldivers 2 with you boys? Is this the PlayStation exclusive that but, but makes that, me want That's what's really good as well, is that it's it's a it's a good example of PlayStation releasing, or, you know, this, the primarily the studio as well, obviously, releasing a game simultaneously on PC, and crossplay yeah. being a thing that could just like bring anyone together. My partner's playing on the PlayStation. I'm playing on PC. I've got mates playing on different things as well. And we can all just jump in. Like the shooting feels really, really satisfying compared to any other third or even first person shoot I've played in a long time where each gun feels distinctive. And when you're shooting the aliens or you're shooting the robots, there's not like numbers flying out of them. You're not really 
as you're leveling up, upgrading like, oh, I've got, you know, this, this level 20 gun and now I can destroy everything. Like some are armor piercing, some are like, you know, really good against like bugs specifically and stuff, but you're, you're never feeling like I'm getting ahead of everyone completely. No, it's, it's all it's sort quite, of like a level playing field. It's never overwhelming. It's quite clean. It's kind of like, it's kind of, I wrote a thing last week about this of like how it's a studio historically doing what they do well, mm. doing it very well. Like Arrowhead have made co-op online games for their whole lifetime, basically. And now it's culminated in this really successful game. Yeah. Whereas a studio like Rocksteady tried doing a live service co-op online shooter with no actual experience doing that. And yeah. it's not turned out well comparatively. You should look at the numbers of people playing the games and you can tell which one is doing it well and which one isn't. And yeah. it's just a lesson, like, let studios and let people make let them make what they want to make but at the same time make sure they have the experience to do that yeah like, that's kind yeah. of endemic to a lot of development as well like you could say the same of um arcane previously with redfall as well exactly yeah, yeah i wrote in my, i mean the first example of this was anthem right with mm, bioware yeah, just totally. going from story the some of the best written story rpgs to just anthem which no yeah. one played or wanted to play and, and that's thing, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll never be like i i don't want them to do this you know at all because you have to have some no because like, i really wanted to play source of god and i really want to be good but the proof's yeah. in the pudding right yeah exactly it always it, like you just <laughs> like you just said you know the results speak for themselves but with something like hell divers 2 they released hell divers and, and that was like what 10 years ago or so mm-hmm. i think at least yeah and they've just been working on this and then they and, and they release it. And despite like some little, you know, niggling server issues and maybe sometimes the game crashes and stuff, very, very rarely. Like I've, I've put maybe, I don't know, I think 25 hours into the game. The game's crashed twice for me. Not a massive issue. And what's so good as well, that if that does happen and there's still a mission going where my partner and I are playing, if she's still alive, I could just, dro- I could just drop right back in as soon as the game loads up. It's, it's not like, oh, we have mm-hmm. to wait till the mission's over and stuff like it. It just, it's, it's amazing that a game like that. It just works. Out. Yeah, it just works. Like, like, and and that, and like, it is surprising how many games come out these days and don't work. So it, it almost feels like a miracle when... This one isn't perfect by any means, te- mm. technically-wise, but it does work. So that is a bonus. Much, yeah. like, um, much like democracy. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I, I, will, um, I will say, if, you, if you're still like on the fence about it, we released a video yesterday, and I'm telling Aaron Horn here, but it's called Helldivers 2, Best Clips That Show Why the Game is Awesome. And it's just a ridiculous montage of shit blowing up, lasers flying across the screen. If you want to play something that's EDF, Starship Troopers, Warhammer, Terminator, just all meshed into one fantastic experience, like check that video out because it's just a fantastic montage of just ridiculous clips. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do want to play more. Hopefully I'll find some time in the future. People are thinking um, there's got to be another front at some point. There's yeah. got to be. Well, well, what happens when knows? Super Earth gets, you know, mm-hmm. taken over? I wonder if they have to accelerate things. Just like, we did not expect this many players and they they are <laughs> freeing the... They are just putting democracy everywhere too quickly <laughs> yeah. at the moment. We're going to need to build some new planets quick. Um, but I'm sure they can just go, oh no, the aliens are back on one planet. So uh, yeah, they, 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 they can fluff it. But it, that's the thing. I don't know like how true to life the numbers are are and stuff no, there have yeah, been sure that, they can. That, yeah yeah it's true but it's just oh god it feels good <laughs> yeah good stuff um one more game you've been dabbling in jesse you've uh we can't keep you out of space um <laughs> you've had a little go on the uh june expansion for microsoft flight sim is this yes. a free is this just a free expansion yeah it's just a free expansion it's sort of similar to when uh microsoft flight sim added i think the pelican from halo 
and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they're always adding different little updates, you know, world updates and different tours you can do across the across earth and stuff. But mm -hmm. I am really enjoying the fact that we can get more ridiculous crossovers in Microsoft Flight Simulator. Right, you know, it's in the name, right? Simulator. It's the most true to life simulator probably out there. It's the most mm. realistic depiction of Earth and flying around Earth. And then they go, right, do you want to go to Arrakis in an ornithopter and <laughs> yeah. fly around for a bit? It's like, yeah, sure. I do, actually. Yeah, yeah. pretty sick. <laughs> it and does look cool as well. It, I, I saw you uh, your gameplay of it. I haven't had a chance to play it, but it mm. does look like they got all the little animations of the ornithopter, right, and the sound as well. It, it sounds so good. It's really, really fun to control. Um, that's the thing I played on PC, but I was, again, using an Xbox controller just because I've seen people online with very traditional flight sim setups being like, my, you know, my Boeing setup doesn't work correctly for the all <laughs> And I was like, yeah, you just, you know, it's probably better to use a controller for this one because it's slightly more arcadey, just this specific example. But um, it's a free expansion you can just dive into. And if you have Game Pass, you can check it out. But it is a, it's a storm escape mission where you have to rescue like a fellow ornithopter, like mm -hmm. pilot who's crashed. And then you have to sort of like, escape from a dust storm. Um, and then they've got a few other challenges, sort of like touch and go where you're, you know, practicing your land and then quickly race into other landing spots all whilst exploring the version of Arrakis that they have um, put together. Is their the version is, of Arrakis just sat like desert with rocks in? Is that what it is? Because that is mainly what the of, planet yeah. it's is. True. Well, the, the thing is, is that you can't actually explore the map freely. You've got the set challenges and the tutorials okay. that introduce you to the Ornithopter. And, you know, you can go into like first person mode and, you know, click every little dial and whatnot. But uh, that's the thing. It's It's got... I don't know, topography that's different to Earth and stuff like there that. Hasn't it, like Arik it hasn't got the city in, right? The city is there. Oh, it is there. Okay, yeah. cool. The thing is, one of the challenges has you racing towards the city and you sort of land outside it, but you can see it. I haven't got close to it yet. Um, but the main thing is that it's, it's not like a massive, you know, expansion that you can really delve into. It is about maybe five or six missions and the Storm Escape mission, you can watch the gameplay that we've put, put up on a IGN. That... The Storm Escape mission, I'm just looking now, it took me, it's about three minutes long. The thing is, it will take you like an hour to do that one challenge because the timings are so, so precise. And if you get caught in the storm, you're dead. Um, but it is, if, if you're just looking to hone in your skills and mess around for an hour or two, trying to I perfect your times. I in June for a bit to be honest. What do you think a spice-flavoured Kit Kat would taste like? like? I'm imagining spice tastes a little bit like a, a slightly, almost like, a chili chocolate with a bit mm. of an orange tint. I kind of always imagine like saffron or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but how do you like use... Spicy how do you, orange. How do you take spice? But however you want, yeah, mate. With a bit uh, of tea, yeah, with a lemon. Yeah. Well, no, that's yeah. it. I, I, don't, I, can't, I can't remember Sprinkle what happens in, in the porridge, first film. Maybe? But like, do they, do they ever explain like how you... Do, do you have to like snort spice or do you huff spice? I don't know. Um, I, I've, it's mainly, I don't know if they actually just eat it. I think it's more just yeah, I was gonna a, say, a really valuable if you can, thing, isn't if it? If you can put it, it over some steak everything. or something, then like, you know, just have some spice flavored steak. I don't know. Mm. Hopefully it's delicious. <laughs> are you, are you going to become spice bay? <laughs> just <laughs> sprinkle <laughs> spice over steaks. No, that guy's uh, a dickhead. Um, I can't like, imagine. Come to my the, restaurant, Desert Power. Is the <laughs> is the Shai Halud in Microsoft Flight? I can't imagine that they programmed the fucking massive they worm. The big, to, they no. don't have the big worms. The thing is, I haven't spotted it, but there has to be. There has to be an Easter egg somewhere where you see that worm. It'll be such a missed opportunity. Or at opportunity. least have like the sand rumbling and then like you yeah. know seeing one mm. go like 
that that's easy enough, right? I don't, the, the, I don't the, know. The worm has to be there. Someone will find it. But yeah. I did not see it mm, because well. the, you know, terrifying dust wall, which is really, really impressive to look at, to be fair. It's probably um, sand, isn't it? Yeah. But, yeah. It's very impressive. So oh, yeah. check it I'm out for free. excited to see Dune, mate. Well, we'll see you the next, next week. week. Yeah. Chat next week, maybe we will talk about it on the podcast, June part two. More June talk next week. We'll talk a lot about sand as well as other things. Um, <laughs> something you have been watching this week, though. Matthew Jones, is the new series of Mr. and Mrs. Smith mm-hmm. based on their hit Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie yeah. early 2000s I film. think it was a hit, wasn't it? I, was, yeah, I think it, it probably was a box mm. office hit. I don't know if it's a good film. I was going to say, before it. that film came out, was there any other previous Mr. and Mrs. Smith thing or was that the Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie film? I and think like, it was based I was going to say, like, is, is it like a, a sort of secret massive IP that's based on a mm. book that no one really knows about? Is there Mr. and Mrs. Smith lore that people... Is there a subreddit for it? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was an original thing. I don't know. All I know is that it's, it's, it was okay and it made a lot of money. Um, and I think but now they've a made a TV people, series of it with Donald Glover in, which instantly makes everything better. I think yeah. a lot of people have held on to that. Like, I think it's like obviously the IP branding of like, oh, we recognize, you know, you hear Mr. and Mrs. Smith and you go, like, oh, it's mm-hmm. going to be spies or whatever. But you think, well, I've seen the movie. How is this going to be very different? And a lot, it, a lot of people have been holding it's that. It's just a very cool concept it's a very like engaging thing of right this married couple are actually secretly spies or assassins whichever i can't remember if they're spies or assassins in the film but um is that the concept is that is it the same setup for the show it's very different honestly so i think the main thing in the film is that neither of the pair know that the other is a spy so they're both independently just doing spy stuff whereas this one (laughs) they both very much know that they are spies Um, And so it's a little, maybe a little spoiler for the first like 10, 15 minutes of this show. I'm sure that's fine. Um, It's very well presented as well. But um, they had never met before. So they're partnered up and they become uh, like man and wife, husband and wife. That's the (laughs) A couple. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's actually very important that they're married before they ever. Okay. Um, And so they're, yeah, they're in this relationship and uh, had never met before, but as part mm-hmm. of their spying. And one of them has a line of dialogue that's like, it's basically so that we'll keep tabs on each other, right? Like, we have to work as partners because mm-hmm. it, it has an incentive for but us to keep they're spies for the same agency. Yes. And okay. importantly, neither of them know what the agency is. And, okay. And they don't know really what mission like they'll be given the mission but they don't know why it's important who any of the players are this is any- weirdly similar to a film idea i've had for 15 years that mm. i've never written um i but, hate it yeah. when that happens like, i could have done this oh no, I don't know. It it's, different, it's different enough but like yeah, yeah. i'm never gonna write it so you know um, <laughs> so in that first episode there's a lot of um like people doing gig work in the background so, okay. like, you know, some, a character will get an Uber or there'll be, like, an Uber Eats thing happening. And it's trying to make this real, like, what if spy stuff was happening under a gig work economy? So, okay. you know, <laughs> basically getting an assassination done like, by mm-hmm. somebody who doesn't know, doesn't care the specifics of it, but they're just like, go here, do this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, like, really cool. Um, all of that, like, you really don't know what's happening behind the scenes by design. Um, but I think the thing that really sells it, I've been watching this with my partner, 
And the way that the two main characters will talk to each other feels like the way that people that are in a relationship will like decompress mm -hmm. after something. Like mm. you'll have been out at a party and then somebody will have said something weird. And then only like hours later, you'll be like, do you remember the time when they said that? Like <laughs> it feels really like the way that couples talk when really no one else is around. Yeah. Um, and in a way that I've not seen reflected in basically anything before. Um, it takes Mr. and Mrs. Smith to have realistic relationship yeah, dialogue. Like actual <laughs> is, is the tone similar to the film? Is it like an action comedy? Is that there the... is action, there's comedy, but I wouldn't okay. say that it's very much like it at all. Like to okay. its detriment in its branding. I think that a lot of people have skipped this by going, uh, it's probably like a little bit of a mid-movie where I actually think it's really well written. Mm -hmm. And it's crucially a TV series, mm -hmm. which... Has I I haven't I haven't seen the full list, but it seems like an endless list of just ridiculous guest stars yeah, turning absolutely. up in it. So Paul Dano keeps showing up as well. Yes. Uh, John Torturo is in an episode. Mm -hmm. um, Skarsgård pop up. He pops Skarsgård's up like right at the beginning. Yeah, he's okay. <laughs> like they just got everybody. Yeah, I do want to get around to this just because it does seem like it's good fun. Are, are all the episodes out, or is it a weekly yes, thing of that first season? Oh, yeah. Okay. Right, right, yeah. right. Yeah, there it's a little go. 12 episode. I've not seen the final one yet, but um, yeah, it's very yeah, good. I'm, I'm, I'm going to check it out. Um, so it's always good to have something to watch while I'm playing Football oh, Manager. Oh, here we go. Wow. <laughs> uh, I've just been on a real tear recently. I've um, I've already put in, God, I'm just looking at my Steam now, I've put 490 hours into Football Manager 2024. The yesterday. game came out in November, so that's like three and a bit months. That's a, that's a lot of time. Um but I've been taking. A, I wanted a challenge, so I've taken um, Barnet up from uh, the from the uh, conference. What's it? Whatever it's called now, the Vanarama National League or something, all the way up to the Premier League in five seasons. It's back not an to impressive back to sound back to place. back to promotions. Sorry, Barnet. It just doesn't sound like an impressive. Have you place. not heard of Barnet? No, I have. It's just like oh, okay. it's just not just sort of like an underwhelming name for a place. All right, well, it's near enough for us. Steady on. <laughs> um, but yeah, once player coached by Edgar Davids of uh, Dutch fame. Come on, have some respect. You know this just goes over our heads entirely. Yeah, but I'm looking you in the eye is what I'm saying. It. No, um, but yeah, it's got back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back promotions and it's just gone really well for me. I'm, I'm really thrilled. I might be on the cusp of a Premier League victory already like eight seasons in. So. You know what You know, what I want to know? You've put so many hours into this yeah. series. Is it at all challenging when you're playing like... Sometimes, yeah. I mean, I feel like this the last year or two. It's for some reason I don't know if I've, I've cracked the code. Or it, just, it seems easier than normal. <laughs> I just seem to be able to like win. You were god. Do you think you could go pro? Actually, now uh, I, do you know what? I wouldn't put it past me. Um, but I don't know. I've just kind of nailed it. I haven't actually. So yesterday, an exploit was found—a really bad one in the game <laughs> that they need to desperately patch out. Which I I haven't actually. Get, I tested it out just to see if it actually works. Of course, and it does. yeah. Just to but test. basically, you can get a bid accepted for any player in the world. So whether they cost, I don't know, 300 million pounds is how much they cost. There's this exploit where you can basically get them for 2.5 million if you put in the exact right offer of like installment amounts and percentages. And it means you can basically get a bid accepted for 2.5 million for any player in the world, which does break the game. But I've I've got not done it this time. What I might do is start a new random save with a really rich club and just buy it, like just create an absolutely ridiculous dream team and see what happens. Um, but yeah, how, that's quite bad. How far can... This is me with no football knowledge yeah. at all how far can you go to just like absorb the world of every football player and just like can you can you have like 
just one conglomerate you, you only football really team. Can have a, you don't really have a squad of like 25. But you, you can't you can't like just buy out like 500 reserve players and just fuck mm, over no, every you other would, team. You'd never have the budget for that. <laughs> oh, damn it. No. Unless you really, it, like, I'm sure you could edit the database and really cheat it to be like that. But I, then, I was going like, to say, if you had fun? infinite money, could you just fuck over the every football player, economy? Every yeah, possible I mean, that's player. pretty much what I did in my last career where I took over Aston Villa and I won. I think I've got like 17 league titles in a row and I just have to bet like, no, like there's lit- I, there's no point me signing players. There's no one that would even get on my bench I can sign. It's pointless. So <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of, it's, I, I don't know. But what would, I just theoretically here, let's say you buy every person that plays football in the world and the rest of the teams can't even fill a team do you automatically win because they have to i just i just want to know what happens like what's the fail states i mean it would be it would be impossible to sign the however hundred (laughs) thousands of players i'm I'm saying somebody should like (laughs) you'd be playing that it would generate just like what it normally does, it's just generate fake players who like would fill the squad, mm-hmm. but there'd be oh, like sixteen-year-olds right. who are awful and stuff like that. So it would be <laughs> it would be broke sixteen-year-olds and no team. Yeah. Can afford. Like oh. even uh, let, let's say it from the opposite side though. Like let's say that you have no active players in your yeah, roster, yeah. you can't play any games, right? Like it will just forfeit whatever you're. I, thought, I can't remember. I can't remember the last time that happened to you. I couldn't fill a bench, but like I think it does. Yeah, like you'd have to bring up like people from the under seven, under eighteens, and then it would maybe. Create fake players i can't remember that's pretty it's funny. such an absurdly rare scenario <laughs> to happen that uh, maybe i should test all these things out but um yeah i mainly just wanted to do that to just as a little uh, segue to say that sunderland till i die is back the netflix documentary that follows sunderland football club um it was one of the first real football documentaries that did it right i think it first mm. came out when was the first series like five six years ago i think um and 2018 it was, so yeah, just over five years ago. And it followed Sunderland, who, if you don't know, had a real... They were in the uh, Premier League, and then they kind of... They got relegated to a championship, and the first season followed that. And it was meant to be, like, Sunderland's big resurgence back into the Premier League. What no one saw coming was that they got straight relegated again into League One, which is below the championship. And it just made for a season of television where you basically... It was just pure misery the whole time. The club was being run terribly. They've and the key to Sunderland Tide Die was they put as much focus on the football as they did, even more focus, I'd say, on the fans. Mm. Who like Sunderland is such a town that's centered around the football team, a city even that's centered around the football team. And kind of when the when the club doesn't do well, the t- the city doesn't do well. And but- it really followed that. It's kind of like it was almost like the un-Hollywood version of Wrexham of the Wrexham one. Um, That's what I wanted to ask, like why Sunderland and like, does the documentary, cause I'm trying to understand the perspective. Like yeah. it's not, it doesn't like, does it blow smoke? It's, does it blow up smoke? No, like I don't think, arse, I, like, I think that's what's good about the Sunderland one is it doesn't really paint over any of it too much. It, it yeah. shows it like it is. Um, there's some funny moments in the first couple of series where the owners are just like trying to pick like new music for the team to walk out to. And they just pick this really bad EDM and stuff. It's just like, <laughs> there's funny moments, but it's also it's like a lot of sad moments as well. And I think they pit Sunder because they are such a massive club that fell on hard times basically. And okay. the first two seasons were following basically the decline and it was all like, misery but then they've come back a couple of years later and released just three episodes in this last season okay. uh, to kind of cap it all off because i think more to give more of a happy ending and it's not quite as good as it once was but 
they still do the good thing of focusing on the fans and it has a really good heartwarming yet also heartbreaking ending to it that's really like they really i think nailed the ending of it and show what the whole series was about and i just i'd encourage like it's a good entry into see why football matters so much to some people because like especially the people in that documentary like it's their lives basically and yeah, yeah it's it's really worth watching um but yeah i enjoyed those last three episodes and yeah it hit, it hit the spot i would i wouldn't mind checking out like where can you actually it's watch on netflix it? oh okay cool because yeah that's the thing like i'll i'll never i'll never enjoy or appreciate the sport check out in, football if you get the chance yeah i know <laughs> but yeah. but if there's something that can introduce you know the actual players and how it you know the, the fans yeah, and how i think it affects that's what them. the larger story as well it, and yeah. it's kind of like the like i said the less glossy version of the rexham one the actual more true to life not yeah, that i think the rexham one's too bad in that world I just, but it I does stopped at watching times. It. it just felt a bit like oh, yeah no sunland tide i was in my eyes anyway the 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 best one version mm. of these so yeah i'd i'd check that out what else have we got? I suppose we've got some feedback to go to. Um, IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Let us know. Um, next week we'll be talking about June. Maybe we'll talk a bit about Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. I don't know. Any questions about two of those things? Maybe write in and let us know. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. What's your, what's your favourite desert? Yeah, what's, yes. I was going to say, what's your favourite sand planet? And Kit Kat. What's the best Kit Kat variety? Oh, that's well, two finger, of, four uh, finger, chunky. Speaking of Kit Kats, probably going to take a break. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Snap. Those are the fingers of the Kit Kat breaking. And we're back. Um, again, let us know what your favorite Kit Kat is. IGN underscore UK feedback at IGN.com. Just like we've got a couple this week about... We can't, I don't even know if we put the call out, but people have been contributing to their favourite either kids' TV shows or game shows uh, mm. from basically the late 90s, early 2000s. And we've got a couple of suggestions, suggestions, a couple of uh, favourites here. Matt, you've got the first one. I do. I want to say as well, I was listening to last week's episode. I was a big fan of Crossfire, whoever uh, emailed in about that. I do need Very- to. I still haven't watched it's, it's so got to be on YouTube. Fun. I've got to watch them. Like it's a it's a paintball show, but it's so like the in between stuff is really funny. The like framing and like the mm-hmm. yeah getting money to have better equipment is just like when you were watching, you were like, oh, I want to do that. I want to play a game that's like this. And then you discover Counter Strike 
Like that, I, <laughs> I think I was genuinely interested in playing Counter-Stroke because of Crossfire. Um, anyway, so this one's from Andrew Priest, who says, Hi, IGN crew. Hope all is well. Listening mm. to last week's pod and hearing Cardi mention Funhouse got me uh, got me thinking of another kids game show from yesteryear. I don't know if you young whippersnappers in IGN Towers are too young to remember <laughs> this game show. Um, I assure you, the majority I of us definitely are not too know. young. Maybe Jesse. Um there was a show on CITV once called Nightmare. It basically involved a team of four young lads and then subjected them to what I would say was the single most difficult game show in television history. I don't Up remember there. anyone ever winning it, and I would sit there watching and thinking, how the fuck are you supposed to complete this? <laughs> yeah, Jesse, is this ringing any bells? I've never heard of it. Oh, you'd before. love Nightmare. Yeah. If that was on now, you'd be on it. You would have loved it. Well, I'll give you a little bit more description from Andrew here. It says, One of the four lads were put on a ridiculous helmet so he couldn't see a thing, and the other three lads had to guide him through a virtual reality medieval dungeon filled with monsters, traps, and puzzles, while the beardest, beard, whilst the bearded <laughs> host of the show would make disparaging remarks throughout. You only got one life, too. If the blindfold kid gets killed, that's it. Game over. I don't know if it, <laughs> I necessarily want it back. I was more curious if anyone remembers it. And that's from Andrew. It's the oh, it's like the ultimate speaking. co-op game show, Jesse. You would have loved it. So it was a co-op oh, game. Oh. Basically, one kid was blinded, sent to their death, and you had to rely on your friends to not, not <laughs> kill you. Jokes. <laughs> so um, Andrew, they did very briefly bring it back for a single video for YouTube Rewind. I think in 2013, Jesus. a friend of the show worked on the um, the production of it. Um, so there is it's starring Izzy City from Peep Show as mm-hmm. one of the hosts. So if you want to see what Nightmare would be like now, there's a hour-long special yeah. that you can watch on YouTube. I mean, I was I was too young for it when it originally... There was actually a late 80s, early 90s thing, I think. Um, but I definitely watched reruns when it was uh, when I was younger. I'm just looking at it now, and it, it does look like a fixed camera angle slash matte painting mm-hmm. maze mm-hmm. where kids are subjected to like... Oh, it's a bit like on a green matters. screen, yeah. It was, <laughs> I'd watch it. It's it fun. There's definitely there's got to be like some highlight reel compilations out there of hilarious things happening. Um, it was terrifying as well because like as you lost your life or like you took too long, like this skull would peel away and like oh. there would be like snakes in its eyes if I remember rightly and stuff like that and just horrible stuff happening. Um, quite terrifying for kids actually, but um, mm. yeah, I think you'd enjoy Nightmare. There's like over a hundred episodes of it, I think. So. Yeah, there you go. It's one for you, Jesse. I've got an email from Daniel Tate. He says, Hi, all. Following on from your conversation about old kids' shows, I thought I'd write him with one I remember, but no one I know remembers. It was the early 2000s on CBBC. A bunch of Scottish kids in a found footage sort of style. And it was called Jeopardy, and it was about these Scottish kids on a school trip school trip to australia and was about alien abduction was mint (laughs) on another note (laughs) don't know if you've seen this but the producer of a lost have made a show called from has the actor who plays michael from lost in it there's along the same lines a mysterious place where more questions and answers are offered but very good keep up the good work and Mm. of course respect the seat i haven't heard of from but i have heard of jeopardy i did i do remember watching jeopardy as a kid and i do that would have come out when i was like 10 or 11 or something i think i do remember it being quite scary i i don't know if kids make it's probably just because i don't watch kids tv these days isn't it but i do remember when i was younger kids tv being actually quite scary at times like you had your demon headmasters and stuff like that which were terrifying like Mm. do kids these days have an equivalent scary television i don't know i, I don't know but they've got email in bluey and that's rad <laughs> what did I you like because you're a slightly you're like the generation before me and matt slightly 
mm. uh, here, Jesse. What was your like? Do you have like a I a, think a series that stuck out? Uh, I mean, it, what came to mind immediately was a uh, Brainiac. Don't know if you guys ever watched. I, I watched that. Brainiac. Yeah, that was like, on Sky, wasn't it? Yeah, and I just I, I remember watching. I think it was called Brainiac Science Abuse, and it was sort of like a MythBusters for kind oh, of. Oh, I remember kids, the one you mean now. Yeah, I okay. guess did it was. Did that was that the Richard Hammond one? Yeah, it was Richard okay. Hammond. And as a kid, I always thought that was just David Tennant. Just <laughs> I always mix those two up. But I was just revisiting the first episode um, today, actually, just to see one of the experiments, which, which I think has aged fairly poorly. I don't know how. I don't. I don't know who would have greenlit this. Is that there's one guy on a bike with a heart rate monitor, and another guy sitting on a couch, and he has two topless ladies in front of him, and the, the experiment is just who's Heart rate is faster. Yeah, was that a kid show? It was. was it was on. Like, it was definitely, non, definitely uh, a kid show. It was on the was pre-watershed stuff as well. I don't know if Brainiac was well. a kid show. Wasn't it more of like a teen like? It was pre-watershed, so you know everything. Is, I don't know. I remember, I remember watching remember, it early um, in the morning, but I was just like, "That's aged." I remember an episode Holy as well man. where uh, I think it's John Tickle, which I also think it's hilarious. That's an that awful name. His his thing was that he was on Big Brother and he was sort of clever, so he managed to get on this show. But he was doing um, a little bit that was about like if you drink a if you drink more beer at a lower alcohol percentage, does it get like does it mean that you don't get a hangover? I was like, <laughs> I'm like eleven. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. This is great knowledge. Yeah. Jesus. Uh, but yeah, Brainiac Science Abuse was um, something I remember watching a decent amount of. I don't remember the topless people and the heart rate monitor experiment. Maybe I'll I'm skip sure that I, I, I don't think this is a kid show. I think you'll misremember. But um, who knows? You could watch it when you're a kid. That's fine. Um, yeah. There we go. Um, and stuff. Let's, we still want more of that. We want Kit Kats and... Uh, best maybe scary kids tv shows let's pivot to that mm. i'm sure the demon head master will be at the top of a lot of people's list did you ever watch that jesse or was you too to what show sorry the demon head master the demon head master sadly the actor died i think last year or the year before i'm um, i'm not familiar terrifying if you were my age yeah, uh, thumbnail's awful yeah um oh it's got yeah. it's got a sort of similar vibe to um oh the Goosebumps intro is just a bunch of weird effects and stuff. Oh, that. Was around, for me, that was the peak, and it's probably because it was when I was like at peak child age to be watching <laughs> the stuff. But uh, that, The Queen's Nose, and Bernard's Watch, those were your. Do you your remember Aquila? I do remember Aquila. I, I've got this haunting memory of Aquila where there's an episode where they like have programmed Aquila to show up if they blow a whistle, but they can't mm. remember if they programmed it to be on the left or right. So he's like, Aquila's going to kill me. Aquila's going to like run <laughs> into me. And I was like, yeah, God, what if you did just forget <laughs> if you've programmed your mythical Roman machine? <laughs> what, what a mad what? concept. Yeah. You, you they don't make must- them like that anymore. I was going to say, like, you two must know this show. I can't remember the bloody name for it, but I think it was a Scottish BBC show. This guy wore, like, this sort of black, almost Raven? Game of Thrones. Yeah, it was Raven. That's it. God, yeah. that was we know him in real life. good, man. Yeah. What? We don't actually know him. We know a lad who looks quite a lot like him. Oh, I'll leave it at that. Sad. <laughs> but yeah, Raven was bloody sick, man. It was just, wouldn't he say, like, just let the challenge begin? It was the hypest mm-hmm. thing. Oh, God. Yeah. And we haven't even got time to talk about how good Zap was. But anyway... Let's talk about that another day. Shout another out great to episode. Alex Mack as well. That was a big one yeah. for me. <laughs> the Another great episode of the IGN UK podcast. Oh, what are we going to have for music this time? I mean, 
Is 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 the theme to Raven any good? Why I don't are we remember. Going it. With Raven? I, actually, I, I don't know. Like it must be good. Can I have uh, it's going down from the Persona Three Reload soundtrack? Actually? I was going to suggest that we can't talk oh, about Persona yeah. and not have Persona music on. So yeah, we're gonna we're gonna go with that. But thank you for your suggestion of the Raven theme, Jesse. <laughs> I, I can't remember what it sounds time. like. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Well. See ya. Goodbye. Bye. 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 I'm Jillian Clare, the host of the podcast, Thanks for Coming In. I've accumulated some pretty crazy audition stories over the past 20 years, and so have my friends. And I was like, you know what? No, not going to do this. And then Disney calls and is like, we need you to come test for the Ant-Man movies. I didn't know if my scene was going to get cut or not. Ooh, I could play that. Tune in every Thursday to hear your favorite actors tell the funniest, saddest, and most cringeworthy audition stories. Sometimes even the one that got away. Thanks for Coming In is available on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.